everyone. Welcome to A Good Night for a Murder, a Victorian true crime podcast. My name is Kim, and this is a re-release of one of my favorite Victorian ghost stories. I had to take a little break from podcasting for the past couple of weeks, and publishing a rebroadcast for the second episode for this month will really help me continue to get caught up. Patreon members, though, will find a brand new episode in their feed that should be there for you right now. With that, please enjoy this retelling of Mistletoe Bow. A Good Night for a Murder is a true crime podcast that does cover stories including death, violence, sexual assault, and other adult themes. Please take care while listening. As the story goes, a young couple were married on Christmas Day and were celebrating their nuptials with their friends and family in a big, beautiful English manor house in the countryside. It had been a long day for the young bride, but the party was still going well into the evening, and when someone suggested a game of hide-and-seek, she saw it as her chance to slip away and rest for a bit. The bride runs off to some faraway corner of the house where she can't even hear the other party-goers anymore and sits down to rest. After a moment, she realizes she should play along and find a place to hide. So, she climbs into a large, empty wooden chest nearby and shuts the lid. And she waits. And she waits and she waits and she realizes it's taking them an awfully long time to find her. Not wanting to ruin the game, she waits a little longer, but eventually she gets tired of waiting, cramped up in this dark trunk, so she tries to open the lid to get out. Except, she can't open the lid. It's stuck shut. She presses harder and tries to use her back and her legs to kick and force the lid open, but she can't, and she begins to scream. Meanwhile, the guests have been running about the large house, finding guests hiding behind curtains and such, and as the game goes on, they realize they haven't found the bride yet. Suddenly, the game feels not so fun anymore, and panic starts to arise as everyone, the partygoers, the staff, everyone, is looking for the bride. They scour the house, but they can't find her, so they move the search to the grounds and woods surrounding the house. Meanwhile, our bride is screaming. But due to the heavy wood of the trunk and faraway location of the room and the noise of everyone calling and searching for her, they can't hear her. Hours have gone by by now, and it's very late, almost the next morning, and the partygoers can see that they'll have to turn in and continue searching for her in the morning. The young groom is sick with worry, but he agrees. Meanwhile, our bride has exhausted herself. Her voice is hoarse, her body is aching, her fingernails are torn, and instead of screaming, she quietly starts to weep. The next morning, the search does resume, but as morning turns to afternoon and afternoon to evening again, someone starts to theorize that perhaps she ran off with someone else. It's happened before, young brides forced into marriages disappearing just before or shortly after their weddings, and the groom doesn't want to believe it. She wanted this marriage just as much as he did, but sadly, he's forced to consider the possibility especially since he agrees that if she was indeed in the house, they most certainly would have found her by now. One by one, guests start to go home and sadly console the young groom as they depart. And with each departure, the chances of our bride being found become less and less as the house empties. And soon, there's no one left to hear her screams, and the house is closed up for the winter. 
She thinks of her new husband and the life they planned and occasionally summons the energy to kick and scream and scratch at the inside of the trunk, but it's no use. And eventually, she quietly slips away. Under the impression that his new wife was out there somewhere in the world, the groom never stopped looking for her his entire life. And 50 years later, an old man now, he finds himself near the old stately manor home where they'd celebrated their wedding. And for reasons beyond him, he feels drawn to visit it. He does visit the home and is overwhelmed with memories from the night and he once more feels compelled to search the house. Maybe there's some overlooked clue even 50 years later. He slowly and methodically goes through the whole house until he happens upon a room in a faraway corner with a plain door as such that one might not notice it if they didn't know to look for it. He opens the door and finds a room he doesn't think he's ever been in before. But he must have been. He searched the whole house. Many times. Everyone did. But did he? It's been so long and his memory isn't what it used to be these days. While he's turning these thoughts over, he spots a large, ornately carved wooden chest against the far wall. An impressive piece of craftsmanship. He steps closer and examines the outside and then tries to lift the lid, but it's stuck. From the outside, it's easy to see that it has a spring latch that has to be released before the trunk can open, and without thinking, he releases the latch and raises the lid. When to his utter shock and horror, he beholds inside the trunk a skeleton in a white wedding dress streaked with dried blood and a dead bouquet of flowers still clutched in its bony hands. He stumbles back along the floor and sees the inside of the trunk lid is crisscrossed with scratch marks. He realizes at last that he has found his bride. And there you have it, friends. I hope you're all enjoying and keeping safe this spooky season. Like I said, regular episodes should be back on track next month. I really appreciate everyone's patience with this. Housekeeper and Butler Tier Patreon members will find a brand new episode in their feeds right now. Listen through the outro music to hear a short preview of this Patreon-exclusive content. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube at A Good Night for a Murder. Please rate and review and share with friends. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you again soon. month's second patreon episode is about a victorian era double homicide in a stately manor home that is currently on the market for sale this is the story of stanfield hall stanfield hall could very well be the perfect backdrop for the legend of mistletoe bell which was the topic of the regular episode re-released this week located in Wimmenham, norfolk england the historic property as of october 20th 2023 is currently up for sale at the asking price of 5 million pounds or a little over 6 million us dollars the listing agent strutt and parker describes the home as a most impressive partly moated period country house positioned centrally within 35 acres of mature parkland grounds with a rich history Built in 1792 by a successful Norwich builder by the name of William Wilkins Sr., the property is located on the site of a medieval moated manor where a chapel is recorded in 1216. Partly constructed of reused monastic stonework and with ceiling beams of about 1580, the property has brick elevations in a Tudor style with a magnificent Gothic-style stone staircase hall under a Cumberland slate roof. Outside, the property enjoys a most wonderful parkland setting surrounded by countryside with no near neighbors. The house is approached via a 700-meter drive which heads over a bridge to a large graveled area with ample parking. 
The grade two listed 16th century moat bridge is formed of English and Flemish brick. The listing also states that Stanfield Hall was once also the scene of an infamous double murder that shocked Victorian England. So let's get into it then. In 1848, the family residing in the home was the Jermai family, comprised of Isaac Jermai, his wife, who I can literally only find listed as Mrs. Jermai, Isaac and Mrs. Jermai's 27-year-old son, also named Isaac, and Isaac Jr.'s wife. The family also employed a number of household staff. Adjoining the Stanfield Hall property was Potash Farm. The farm was owned by the Jermai's, but resided on and operated by James Blumfield Ross.